Thank you, Pastor. I asked Dee to sing that song, y'all. Off that rope in the crown. Thank you. We're going to wear a crown, right? Amen. God is good. Amen. Give me a second here. I uh, walked in this afternoon and um, they were practicing and uh, they were singing that song, the second song we sang, you know, take my body and build it up. Let it be broken as an offering of love. And all I need is all your love to cover me. And I immediately started crying back there because, you know, tonight I want to talk about love. So I just feel like the Lord has something to say here. And I just thank God for those little confirmations that he does for us, you know. And I was very nervous and, you know, I haven't preached in some time. I know it's long overdue. But um, just, you know, that peace that comes with that confirmation. Um, I love y'all so very much. You know, I'm very thankful for this body of believers, especially in the world we live in today. I mean, it's a, a really rare thing. John chapter 21, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Uh, there's so much hatred in the world today, you know, um, so much animosity and tension. It's really a rare thing to be with a group of believers like you guys. You know, we have something that many people don't have. We have a real love in our heart and a willingness to serve God and to serve others. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing in this day and age. Um, it seems uh, as humans, we have lost that middle ground um, of communication and um, where reason is, uh, where decisions are made and, um, you know, problems are solved and respect is earned, right? You're either extreme one way or extreme the other, right? And there is no more of the middle, right? And so I can tell almost what a person thinks or believes or whatever, a way a conversation's going just by really what news channel you're listening to these days. You know, it's either you're one side or the other. There's nothing in the middle. Um, there's no understanding of each other. There's no communication. There's no even trying to do that anymore. And there's only anger there in the middle and outrage. And we measure a person's credibility by how loud they can be, right? Or how much... Uh, facts they can spit out, right? But the, there's no communicating there, right? And so a person's credibility is measured by the volume of their voice. And I think of that middle ground now as um, if you can picture a battlefield in World War II, right? When you've got armies on both sides dug in the trenches and the only thing in the middle is death, and destruction and craters from bombs and violence, right? And if anybody dares gets up in that middle ground, they're just machine gunned down with rhetoric and words. So nobody even dares go there anymore. No willingness to go out the extra uh, mile for someone, right? And so where, 
where's the Christian in all of this, in this day and age, right? Where's like the love that's the willingness to go the extra with someone? Where is the compassion to hear another person's viewpoint where maybe you would be the one that would be wrong, that you could go that extra with them and say, you know, I've never heard it this way before. There's not even the willingness there. And all that is replaced by is venom and bitterness, outrage, anger, violence, death. And so I think of that battlefield, right? Two armies and death in the middle. Don't dare stand up. You'll get shot down, right? Where's the Christian? And so um, in the Bible, there are many words for love. Not the degrees of love, um, but there's, if, if you look at just the literature and the phrases of love, there's everything from uh, the phileo, which is the brotherly love, and the agape, which you've all heard, which is, and in John chapter 21, that's the ex- a deliberate exchange of these, verse, of these uh, versions of these words between Peter and Jesus. Jesus is saying, Peter, do you agape love me? Peter is responding by, I phileo love you, which is a brotherly love. It's a humbler form of the word, right? But the agape, the agape is it's superior love in all aspects. And this is what the Lord's asking him. Uh, the phileo is to have an affection for someone. Um, it's a matter of the head. The agape is more encompassing. And this is straight out of Strong's Concordance. It embraces judgment and the deliberate agreement of your will, adopted as a principle in your life with duty and ownership. In other words, it's a part of your whole life to love and live this way, right? It's, it's a matter of your heart. It's high love. It's devoted love. It's superior in all aspects, right? And I think of when Paul said, the love of God constraineth me, right? He said, I am bound by this love to act a certain way and to behave a certain way. I have no choice in the matter. The love of God constrains me and it moves me and pushes me to be this way, right? And so in our society, it's very evident that we have diluted what love is, right? Or, or just, um, you can see it in marriage now. Uh, there's divorce is rampant, right? Uh, we've reduced marriage to a civil liberties, basically. I want the same rights these people have, so I want to get married. Or mere paperwork, Right? It's just, there's no real devotion to each other in love before God Almighty. It's just paperwork now so that I can have the same benefits as these people. Uh, Rachel and I was talking the other day about a, a very old friend of ours. She, her, she said, well, if I don't love him, I'll just get divorced. See, and that's the attitude of love now. Right? There's not that love to go the distance Right, And I believe there is a place in a time, like I've preached before, where there, you have to walk away from that. But that is done even in love. right? So if you 
quantify love, if you try to measure it, put it on a measuring stick, you have to have the agape, which is superior to everything, the phileo, work your way down, desire, passion, right? Fondness, friendship, all the way to the other spectrum, hatred, malice, anger, that's all encompassed in love, the idea of love. You can't have one without the other. Just like you can't have life without death, right? So we all understand that. So I was in a prayer meeting with Eric, and uh, I had been praying for something to bless you guys with, to bless the Lord, to serve Him, something to preach. We was in a prayer meeting, um, and then the answer to my prayer came from something he was praying out loud. Now that's amazing, I think. It's got nothing to do with what we're talking about, but iron sharpens iron, right? I could have very well went to my shed and worked out that day, but the Lord put on my heart, I want you at this prayer meeting. And in my going to the prayer meeting, the obedience in that, a prayer of mine was answered, right? Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the day approaches of your more, right? Provoking each other to love and good works, right? All right, each joint supplies the next. So with his permission, I wanted to share with you what he prayed. I asked him beforehand. I didn't want to take a chance. If he said, no, my whole message hinges on this. So I asked him the other day. And this was his prayer. He said, Lord, help me to love others even when it hurts. Amen? It It was awesome. He said, help me to love others even when it hurts. And the Lord immediately began flooding my heart and mind, said, but this is what I want you to say. And he just started putting these thoughts into my head. And I didn't even hear what they prayed the rest of the time, I'm going to be honest with you, because I was just thanking the Lord for it. And so um, that's just amazing how the Lord works. Some people might think that that's foolish, but uh, I'd say that's how the Lord operates, you know, uh, and those little bitty obediences like that. And uh, it was nice to see, actually, the uh, prayer meeting because it was in a response, which I thought was proper, to a protest no one in here would probably agree with. And at first there was that anger, I'm going to do this. But what the Lord did was, you know what, that's not going to accomplish anything. We need to get on our knees and pray. Right. That's where the battle is won. Right. That's that going the distance, that love, that praying, taking your time out of the day to do something and which you may or may not ever get the credit for. Right. Because love hurts sometimes. If there is anyone in the world who knows how to love someone when it hurts, it's Rachel Goodo back there. Right. Ms. D is laughing. Uh. The other day, I was coming home for lunch. I said, my hands are burning. She said, oh, Lord. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm coming home to eat lunch. She said, why? I said, why are your hands burning? She said, I said, I don't know. I guess I've got some sort of chemical on them. She said, Buck, the Lord's trying really hard to keep you alive. Would you please help him a little bit? And I said, I'm going to wash my hands before I eat the sandwich. I'm not stupid. Right? She knows how to love someone when it hurts. There was a time I was convinced there was a leak underneath my pool. And so I dug a three-foot hole in the ground. And then I dug a hole under the pool like a tunnel. 
And so I could visually inspect the pipes. And then Rachel comes outside. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. There's a pile of mud behind me. And I poke my head out of the pool, the hole. She shakes her head, turns around and goes inside. Right? Loving someone when it hurts. And if you don't think that's enough, she can tell you a lot more stories. Like the time I blew my face up, caught my hands on fire, and cut all my fingers at the same time. But she'll tell you that's all true. Amen? She knows how to love when it hurts. I've always been very cognizant of um, when someone was near death, I guess, or I guess I've been really privileged to have people in my life where I've been able to spend time with them at the end of their life, I should say. And I remember some of these conversations of people at the end of their life. It is some of the most meaningful lessons I've ever learned. And I remember these things like it was yesterday. The Bible would say something like, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, right? Or listen to older people with wisdom is what I would say. Or Job says, with, ancient is, with the ancient is wisdom and in length of days understanding. So, you know, whether old or young, someone at the end of their life has a unique perspective on life, right? And so I remember Keith Hendry battling cancer, preaching the gospel, speaking in perfect Hebrew, the first verses of the Bible, and it impacted me. I said, wow, look at that. That is amazing to devote your life to something like that, to be able to have the ability to do that. That took time. That took devotion, right? You don't just learn Hebrew, but he took the time to do it. I remember a young lady I knew my entire life sitting in a hospital bed with a gunshot wound to her chest. All right, self-inflicted. She had been on a tube. She hadn't spoken days, and she was in and out of a drug-induced coma. And she woke up, looked me right in the eyes, and said, Buck, love God with all of your heart. Stop running from his purpose. Serve him with all of your heart. And then she fell back asleep. It was spooky. Right? It scared me. But I remember that. I remember that. I remember my dad. He had a heart attack. A week later, he died. In that week, we talked. He said, son, this whole life is about Jesus. I said, yeah, I I know that. I've been knowing that. I think about Timothy, some of his, uh, uh, Paul's, some of last words to Timothy, who he loved as a dear son. He thought very highly of Timothy. He loved him. He said, preach the word, Timothy. Be instant, in and out of season." Rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, right? Long-suffering, that word is macrothumos. It's a Greek word, it's made of two words. Macro, meaning long or far, and the thumos is passion and fierceness. We don't have that anymore as people, right? There's no one willing to love someone with a passion that reaches far. It literally means fortitude or doing something that is hard that's what the word means and Paul could have told Timothy Timothy get out of town they're killing Christians I'm about to get killed hide yourself but he didn't he said preach the word with all long suffering and doctrine go the distance Timothy love people even though it will cost you your life 
right? I remember our brother that had the brain tumor. You know him. He was teaching a Bible study. It would ultimately kill him. And I remember being in that Bible study with him. And what some things he said was profound to me. He said in his own words, this is a Christian man, a wonderful Christian man, a wonderful man. He said, I had stopped loving people and the Lord showed him that. And that resounded with me because I could see that happening to me. But if he didn't love, stop loving his wife and life, that was perfect. But he lost the connection that connected him to other people, the love of Christ for other people. And he was perfectly content to shut himself out in his office and let the world go by him. Right? That stayed with me. That stayed with me. Some people might call it famous last words. I think it's deeper than that. I think it comes from a place of real honesty about your life. And, you know, so you have a certain point of view and perspective that you really want to share with people so they don't make maybe it's some regret. I don't know. You know, but I've always remembered those things about loving others. Right. Because it is easy to love someone from a distance. Is that right? It's easy to uh, not get too involved. Right. Or maybe your love is like that workless faith in James. Right. Can you make that connection? Right. Faith without works is dead. Love without involvement is dead. Right. Are we even willing to let the Lord burden our hearts for people? Or, or do we hold that part of our heart back and say, no, Lord, that hurts too much. I don't want to be burdened with that. I don't have the time, me. I don't have the intelligence. I, don't, I can't do that. They've hurt me before. right? Are we even willing to let the Lord burden our hearts? I can't possibly go pick that person up for church, Lord. I can't take time to pray for that person. I don't have the time for that. right? I can't believe that you're asking me to disciple this person. I don't know the Bible. right? Because... People can hurt you. People can hurt you. And people can waste your time. And people can steal your money. And people can take advantage of you. Right? And people can never change. Right? And it ain't worth it anymore. Why would he even try? I'm just going to stay over here and do my thing. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to be a good person. But to get involved? No. That's not me. Right. They will hurt you. It will happen. Remember the spectrum. Agape. Hatred. You can't have one without the other. Sadness. Happiness. It's all connected. Right. And people only want happy now. They don't want what comes along with it. They don't want the sacrifice. They don't have the fortitude that it takes to go the distance with someone. Right. I think about David Wilkerson's testimony and Nikki Cruz. Right. A, an amazing story. An amazing David Wilkerson, preacher from Pennsylvania. He would have called himself a skinny preacher from Pennsylvania. He was looking at Time magazine. He sees this cover, these young teenage boys on trial for murder. 
And the Lord puts on his heart, go to New York, David. Preach the gospel to these young boys. They're going to jail. Their life has changed forever. He's obedient. He goes. He shows up. He, they won't let him in the courthouse. He eventually kick him out. He gets robbed. His shoes get stolen. He has no money left. Right? And it would have been easy to say, mm, this ain't for me. I'm done here. Right? But he doesn't. And he begins to preach there. He moves there. He starts a ministry there. He meets, he meets a young man named Nicky Cruz. Nicky Cruz is a Puerto Rico. He was born in Puerto Rico. He was a young, intelligent, uh, good-looking gang leader. And he was dangerous. He was born in Puerto Rico to parents that practice brujeria. Do you know what that is? That's voodoo in uh, Santeria. It's witchcraft. And he was raised in this house with pure hatred. His own parents called him Satan's son. And he was a tortured young man. Hated life. Hated himself. Hated everyone. He certainly hated David Wilkerson. When David met him, started spending time with him, David tells him this. He says, Nikki, Jesus loves you and he will never stop loving you. Nikki slaps him in the face and says, I hate you, preacher, and I'll kill you. I'll cut you into a million pieces. And David Wilkerson says, every one of those pieces will love you. And that's when Nikki Cruz said, that's when the Lord broke his heart. He broke his heart, gets saved, has a wonderful ministry, still living for the Lord today. Amen. What if David would have said, oh, no, sir, no, Lord, I have a church back in Pennsylvania. I'm happy there. I don't need to get involved into these people. Someone else can come do this. Right. What if he would not have been burdened by it? What if he would not have got involved? Right. What if he wouldn't let the Lord bring him to a place of faith? where he had to see and understand for himself, and he wasn't obedient to it. Think of the lives that would have been lost, right? So this verse, John 21, 15, between Peter and Jesus, Jesus actually is teaching Peter this starting in chapter 13. Okay, you can go there if you want. John chapter 13. Verses 34 through 38. He's trying to teach, a Peter, teach Peter a lesson. John 13, verse 34 says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, Whither th goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, you cannot follow me, but you will follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I, cannot I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto you, The cock shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Right? So every instance of the word love in this is agape. I think that's worth noting. Right? Agape. A new commandment I leave with you. 
love, love, love each other, love me, right? And so at the very surface level, Peter is a man walking with Christ who thinks he's somewhere he's not in regards to love. This love Peter's showing is puffed up, proud, arrogant, vain, right? It means nothing. And the Lord, he asks him a question. Not because the Lord doesn't know the answer, but he'll often do that. He'll ask a question to bring attention to something so that you have clear understanding. You do. So that you have clear understanding of your situation. And he'll ask you a question to, be, to bring attention to it. Right? And then he tells him the truth. No, you don't. You're not going to die for me, Peter. You're going to deny me. Right? And so now Peter is faced with a decision. Do I believe him or do I not believe him? Right? A place of faith. A place of belief. Right? This is puffed up love. Right? Are we humble enough to ask God, Lord, am I in a place, do I think I'm somewhere I'm not in regards to your word and love? Are we humble enough to ask and, and will you let him answer it? Right? Will you let him do that? John chapter 18, verse 10 and 11. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up your sword unto the sheath. The cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? Right? So Peter goes from vain words to acts of strength. Right? To look at me, I'm big and bad. Right? And then this is Jesus is arrested in the garden. He's betrayed, he's brought to Cephas, and then eventually to Pilate, right? And in that time, in about five or six verses, Peter goes from, I'm going to die for you, I'm cutting people's ears off for you, to, to warming himself outside of where Jesus is being questioned, about to deny him three times, right? It says he stood outside in this chapter. It, he stood outside and warmed himself with the others. Hey, aren't you Peter? Nope. Don't you know this man? Nope. I don't know him. Yeah, you cut that guy's ear off. No, I told you it's not me. And that third time, the, the Gospel of Luke records that Peter and Jesus look at each other and they meet eyes. And then it says Peter left and went out and whipped, uh, wept bitterly. Right? You think Jesus did this? No, he probably would crushed Peter. He probably just looked at him. Peter knew. He knew. And now Peter believes. And it hurts. Because Peter sees what's true. What he said was true. What he said about me was true. That is a place of faith. And now Peter believes what Jesus said. And that is an awesome place to be. Even though it hurts, right? Even though it hurts, even though the Lord would ask you to go do something for him that hurts, right? Do you believe him enough to do it? Do you believe enough to let it be hurt, right? Peter goes from cutting the ears off. This is not the way of love. The kind of love that loves when it hurts doesn't come from vanity of words. It doesn't come from emotions or acts of strength. The, the opposite, I think. 
humility, meekness, compassion. That's where the love we're trying to define here, the love that endures, right? That love endures. Love from emotion or force won't last. You know what does last? Love and obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments, right? That lasts. Those two things will be more impactful to you and others around you than anything else because people will see if you really love them or not. They will see if you really mean business when you say, I love you. Because when the chips are down and it's hard, will you run? Right? Will you run? These two things will last. Love suffers all. Love bears all. Endures all. And it never fails. God's love is manifested in us as we love Him. Amen? It's not natural to love this way. It's natural to do the other thing. It's natural to not want to be hurt. To preserve yourself. To take care of yourself. Right? But this love as we love and behold Christ... It manifests itself out of us to others. Amen? This love is the love you need when it hurts. Emotions will quit you. Motivation will fail. A well-constructed plan or even a list of objectives will fall to pieces. That's what Rachel tells me all the time. Want to get something done? Make a list. That's true. But that will fail when it comes down to this. Now, with that in mind, listen really carefully. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, right? Romans. And in regard to our former conversation in this world, in our sin, when we were dead in sin and trespasses, the book of Ephesians says this, God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, quickened us together, with Christ, by grace you are saved, he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places, heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, right? Together, 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 lift up heavenly places. Love is high. It's up. Love lifts up, right? It doesn't leave anyone behind. It's together. That's the love that you need. That's the love that you need when it's hard. Amen? And the same love in our hearts by the Holy Ghost is the same love Christ had for us in our sins, or it should be. Right? It should be. Matthew says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like unto it. Love your neighbor. When the Lord's talking about love... He talks about love about himself and in regard to others, right? So this verse always hits me hard. It makes me ask myself two questions. Love the Lord your God. Does God expect us to love him like he loved us? Or I'd ask you this way. The one who laid his life down fully for you, does he expect you to lay your life down fully for him? And I would say yes to that. He does expect that. And number two, who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? This is the two greatest commandments. On these hinge all the prophets, right? This is the greatest and the second greatest. Who is your neighbor is what I want to know. And this is how I'll answer that. 
I knew an evangelist, okay? He could tell to a science where a person was in their walk with Jesus by where they were sitting in the church, or he thought he could. He made this comment to me one time. Front row, middle row, back row, balcony, out the door. That's what he said. This is a man who traveled the world looking for souls to win to Christ, but wouldn't go in the balcony to stop a person from leaving even he knew that that's where they were headed. I'm not convinced of that. Right? You hear the, I'll go to, I want to preach on the gates of hell. You don't have to. All you got to do is go on the balcony. There's people there that need you. There's people in the back row that need you. Right? If that's true about where a person sits. I hope not because I always sit in the back. I'm always in the back. Alberto's in the very back. I know he's living for the Lord. Amen. That's who your neighbor is. A man, a very smart man, he was my mentor. He was a mechanic. He said, I said, hey, Henry. His name was Henry. Hey, this is broke. He said, well, you found it, you fix it. It's your responsibility. That's who your neighbor is. You found it, you fix it. With social media and all these things that connect us over space and geographic regions, uh, everyone is your neighbor. If you find it, you fix it, right? John, back to John, chapter 21. So we now we know that Peter was taught, was started teaching this verse, uh, this lesson of love back in chapter 13. I want to finish reading it. John 21, starting in verse 14 through 19. Jesus said, this is, the, the, this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to disciples after that he was risen from the dead. This is the risen Christ. This is the conqueror of Calvary, the king of kings, talking to Peter now. He's not the one that was just arrested and betrayed. This is the risen Savior, face to face with Jesus. Amen. He says, here we go. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? They, Jesus, they were out fishing all night. Jesus uh, is on walking on the thing. He says, hey, have you caught anything? They say no. He asks the question because he already knows the answer. Remember, he does that to point it out. So he said, throw it to the other side. Okay, we'll do that. Boom, we, we're, we're all aware we didn't catch nothing over here. Wow, it's a miracle we're over here catching stuff. I understood where I was. This is a miracle. John says, it's the Lord. Peter throws himself into the uh, sea. That's what Christ compels men to act that way. Complete abandon. He just hurls himself into the sea. Out swims a boat. Swims a hundred yards. I can't swim to the other end of the pool. He swims a hundred yards. Jesus is up there making him a fish sandwich. It says a fish and two pieces of bread. That's a sandwich. A taco is one piece of bread. Right? He's got a fish sandwich. There's actually some debate on whether this, where this was in context. Who cares? The Lord is offering you something. He's always offering you substance. He's always offering to try to fill you with something. Right? In this case, it was food. They, had been, they were hungry. He needed it. The Lord's there. He's compassionate. He's kind. He's offering to you. 
now. He's trying to give you something, whether it's life or a ministry or a building or whatever. He's always offering. Here, do you want this? I want you to have it. Because he's compassionate. Who cares at what point it goes into? I'm sure a, a theologian would say, man, you need to shut up. But I'm just saying. Verse 15, so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said unto him, feed my sheep. Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me like I love you? Lord, I love you like a brother. I know I love you. Head knowledge. I love you like a brother, Lord. Verse 16, he said unto him again, the second time, son, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Do you agape me again? Again. Do you love me the way I love you and love others, Peter? Do you love this way? He said unto him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you, that I love you like a brother and I'm very fond of you. Right? He said unto him, feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, son, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Do you phileo love me? He changed it. He changed it. He knew he didn't love him like he loved him. And Peter says he was grieved. He was grieved of him. He said the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, you know all things. That is the right answer. That's the right answer. Only you know. Just like Ezekiel, can these bones live? Lord, you know. You know all things, Lord. Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, you know that I love you. You know all things. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto you, when you were young, you girded yourself and walked where you wanted. But when you will be old, you will stretch forth your hands and another shall gird you and shall carry you whither thou would not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. That's hard. Right? This, ain't, this Peter couldn't believe that. This is a different Peter. The Peter before that was cutting ears off with vain words wouldn't have believed Jesus now. And then when he had spoken this, he had said unto him, follow me. Peter's response to Jesus isn't wrong. He just came to the point of understanding, Jesus, I don't love you the way I should. And I don't love you more than these. He could only speak to himself. He leaves that out every time. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your boats? The disciples? Or in comparison, do you love me more than John loves me? I can't speak for John. I only know me. I love you, God. But you only you know how much. Right? And so Jesus gives him charge. He gives him charge. He says... Feed my sheep, love for others, over his flock, which is precious to him. But he had to bring him to that place first. Feed my sheep, love for others, and he says, follow me. He doesn't say, be Baptist. He doesn't say, be Catholic. Be Pentecostal. He says, follow me. Love for God. Love for others. Love for God, right? And I want, to, I want to finish. And here's a quote from Matthew Henry. Those that do not truly love Christ will not love the souls of men 
or care for them as they should, or love the work. Nothing but the love of Christ will constrain men to go cheerfully through difficulties and discouragement they will certainly face in the work of God. Who cares if we get a new building and it's not filled with love for others and for God? What will we do if the Lord calls on us to say, care for this drug addict? Will you go the distance? Will you pick him up from church? What will you do if the Lord puts a dysfunctional family in, a, in here? Right? Or an abuse victim. That takes special love. What will you do? If you have to pick an older person up for church, pack them in here and put them in a chair. Will you do that? Christ would do it. He would want us to do it. And if we get a new building without that, I'm not impressed. I don't need to go to the ends of the world. There's people hurting right here in our very midst, in our city, in our community, in our workplaces, in our families. And the love of Christ would have us to love like he loves. Amen? Father, we just thank you so much, God. We thank you that we're able to love this way because you loved us first, God. And Lord, I thank you, God, that we don't have to be perfect, God. And I thank you, Lord, that these things are spiritual, Lord. And as we love you and are obedient to you, God, that you'll work these things out of us. We won't have to work it up, Lord. And I do pray, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts, Lord. That you would give us the beggar, the prostitute, the drug addict, God. And that we would care for them and love them like you would love them, God. Like we would see them through your eyes, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would fill our hearts so full of your spirit, Father. That we wouldn't let anybody pass us by, Lord. We're not after numbers. We're not after a new building, Lord. We want to love you. And we want to serve you. And we want to win souls to your kingdom, Lord. Let that be the cry of our heart and the mission of our life, God. To love like you love us. Father, help us tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name.